Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Becky Shoup. Becky and I work together, and honestly, you are one of the main inspirations when I started the whole Not The Way I Planned project. Mm, that's sweet. Because I was sitting there in my own little world thinking, oh, I'm going through this and that. And then I heard about your husband's cancer diagnosis, and it really put life into perspective for me. Right. So I wanted to start at the beginning of your story. Tell us about your love story between you and your husband, Joe. Oh, my gosh. So thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. It's um, just an awesome honor to just kind of be with you. So thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's it, our love story started in seventh grade. You wow. know, so we met in seventh grade. I was completely unprepared, turned around, asked for a pencil. And um, he says, you know, that that was he knew right away that he he just really liked me. The way you asked for that pencil. <laughs> I know. It was the way that I was completely unprepared and asked for the pencil. But um, it was a Spanish class and I got, you know, transferred out of it pretty quickly because I was trying to get an easy A. Mm-hmm. Um, since I speak fluent Spanish, okay. I went from Spanish one to Spanish four. So by the next day, I was transferred out of that class. But that started a really good friendship. And uh, we became really good friends um, until sophomore year of high school is when we started dating. Oh, so, so you didn't start, I mean, that's a little, little young to start dating, but yes. not until sophomore did things change. Yes, things started changing sophomore year of high school. And um, that's kind of when things shifted. Um, we just, you know, realized, I realized that I liked him. After so many years mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we had that really great foundation, that really great base that we were friends first. Yeah. So uh, we basically grew up together. And, you know, after um, we graduated from high school, we still stayed together. We broke up for a year in college. Mm-hmm. Tested um, the waters Tested there. the waters a little bit. And, um he basically kept pursuing me after, you know, we broke up. And so we got back together after a year and we got engaged after we graduated from college and we've been together ever since. So it's 21 years now that we've been married. Incredible love story. Together for 28. So crazy. So, I mean... The majority of your life, more than half of your life. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. So where were you guys at in life just prior to this bomb dropping? You know, it was a complete change for us to, we we were both, you know, from California, Mm -hmm. grew up there and uh, we needed a little bit of a change. You know, there's always ups and downs in our marriage and things like that. So it was one of those things that we needed kind of a fresh start. We came to Boise. We had the opportunity to build our, you know, dream home, which uh, was over in Avamore. We loved the area and we did not know any, but we knew two people here Mm -hmm. out of everything. We weren't, we didn't even know that they moved. They moved at the same time we did. 
So it was one of those, you know, situations where you really just got to dig in because lean on each other because you don't have anyone else. Exactly. Which was pretty awesome, you know, because sure. it was just us two. And, um, you know, we have a lot in common. We have the same interests. So it was just kind of nice to rebuild, you know, and start. We, I mean, it's kind of um, a great analogy. We were building a new foundation with this home and, you know, all of our stuff got stolen on our way over here. So oh, no. it was the easiest move, Carly, that you can ever think of. <laughs> so just starting fresh we lost all the way. everything. So it was like a completely wow. fresh start. Oh. So we moved here, got really excited about where we were, but things weren't going the way that we had planned. You know how you always think of. Um, it's going to look a certain way. It's, it's going to be great. We're going to have this beautiful home. I'm going to get this really great job. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get this really great job. And all of that. And things just kind of didn't work out that way. You know, yes, we had the beautiful home. And yes, we really started to build on our relationship again. But the job situation was really kind of tough. You know, mm-hmm. of course, I came here. Uh, took me six months to find this job uh, when we moved here. I took some time off to begin with, but then we started doing that. But then he was struggling with his, he also suffers from anxiety. Mm-hmm. So his anxiety kind of became a real big issue for his health. And he has the kind of anxiety that basically hits your physical you know, in a physical manner. It absolutely can. So it was, you know, he was um, not only, you know, it wasn't like a social situation. It was just a physical pain situation. And would it take him out of the game to where he couldn't work? Yes. Okay. So basically that was where we were at. So, you know, again, the different struggles, right? Finances were starting to get an issue, be an issue, Mm -hmm. but we didn't want him to start working because he wasn't healthy enough, you know? So then we kind of, you know, we took him to a psychiatrist. He started seeing um, some improvements. So then in, you know, time went on and he still struggled here and there, but there was something that he kept on constantly, you know, telling me that he was in pain and he was in really, really big pain in his hip. And And you, did you originally think that had something to do with his anxiety? Yes. So based because, and I, that's why I brought up the anxiety with you is because he was struggling with this physical pain of his anxiety. Mm -hmm. We assumed that the hip pain and the pain that he was kind of dealing with within his body throughout his whole body was an, was because of his anxiety. Yeah, because you can feel achy with anxiety. You just don't feel good. That's right. You don't. So that makes sense. So, and, you know, so there was that struggle to, to, you know, get him to feel better. And, you know, I was just like, come on, you know, just pull up your big boy pants and Mm -hmm. just let's do this. And at the same time, I was heartbroken for him because he was struggling and I can physically see that he was struggling. So, you know, this, of course, takes a toll, you know, as a wife, you see all of this and Absolutely. there's a lot of emotions that you're dealing with, um, trying to, you know, hold the fort in a sense, you know, and still seeing that your spouse is not the man that he was, that you're used to seeing, you yeah. know. And one, you know what his potential <clears throat> is, you know who he is. Absolutely. Inside. Absolutely. And so so that was, that. exactly. So it was very, very difficult. But um, then, uh, 
in November, uh, we started seeing the hip pain really come on pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And um, he just kept on complaining about it. We He couldn't walk very good on it. And then a few weeks after that, he started to get a, a cough. And the cough just kept on, you know, but it was around flu season and around all of that. So right. in the midst of all this, we're seeing a doctor. And for the hip problem. For the hip issue, right? So we're telling the doctor, you know, the hip is really an issue. We know that he's got anxiety. We're dealing with all of that. He seems to be doing better with the anxiety, but now his hip pain is so bad. Did they do x-rays or what were they doing with the hip pain? So she, <laughs> so he had like the white coat syndrome, you know, where you go inside the doctor's office and then all of a sudden the pain's not there anymore. Yes. It was one of those things that you're just like, what? You were just, so it was kind of like the poor doctor just didn't know what to do with it because she thought he was just complaining again, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's that the anxiety. it's the anxiety and you know what, you'll be fine. And let's just, you know, keep going to the psychiatrist and all this other stuff. And, and so it was one of those situations where we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know, but we knew that there was something that was off, you know, mm-hmm. with his hip and then the cough came and the cough pursuit, you know, kept on coming. And you could tell it wasn't just a cold. It was it, persistent. It was very persistent. And the doctor was like, well, you know, there's, you know, a flu going around and all this stuff. We're like, well, you know, back in, um, you know, for Thanksgiving, his brother was here. He had um, pneumonia and he was diagnosed with pneumonia after he, before he came. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were thinking, could he have pneumonia? Because, you know, from what you from what we've heard, it is something that is passed on. So the doctor said, well, you know, we can go and check his chest X-rays and see. But, you know, I doubt it's anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we did. They did a, a chest X-ray and then they sent him to an orthopedic doctor for his hip. So that's when, um, you know, the doctor basically shifted the responsibility over to the orthopedic doctor. The x-ray comes back and it's clear. There's nothing in his chest area. They did blood work. His blood work was clear. There is nothing in his blood work. So we're dealing with a hip issue, right? Mm -hmm. So then the doctor you know, orthopedic doctor comes in and he does these x-rays and, um, you know, on both hips and he sees that, you know, he's got an onset of arthritis coming on. And so this basically answers. Yeah. Now you finally got an explanation other than maybe it's just anxiety. Exactly. So we're like, okay, well, he's like, this physical therapy is what you need to do, that kind of stuff. That had to have been actually kind of a sigh of relief because you've got an answer and it's something that seems manageable. Correct. That's right. We still didn't have an answer for the cough, but the x-ray came back clean. The blood work was fine. So we're like, okay, we're dealing with just a lingering cough Mm -hmm. and we're dealing with a hip issue that is start of arthritis. You have to do physical therapy. So then he's sitting on the couch and I'm watching him and he's, you can tell he's slowly just deteriorating and, and it's not good, you know, as far as his, um, 
just the way that he was feeling, just the way that his mood, just everything was kind of changing. And um, I was sitting there going, what in the world is wrong? And then all of a sudden he would get up and he would like scream because of the pain that he was was dealing with. It was so intense. And we kept on calling the doctor and, you know, with pain meds, (sighs) they're very, very careful with pain meds here, which is great. But when you really need them, mm-hmm. they do not give them to you. So yes, they were giving him like Tylenol, you know, extra strength. Just doing ibuprofen, nothing. But just it was doing nothing. And I was dying because I could see him physically in pain and like screaming out and sitting on the couch and just crying because he was in so much pain. Then all of a sudden his pain started going from the hip and it started going down his leg so it started going down it's to radiating down down to his thigh around his um you know knee bone down his um uh chin around the ankle bone and then we kept up so we called the doctor and we're like you know there's something going on here it could be the arthritis situation but does arthritis do that? Like, mm-hmm. does it, maybe there's a sciatica issue or something. You know, maybe we need to do an MRI. And the doctor's like, well, we, we could do an MRI, but, you know, why don't you wait it out a little bit longer and see? Because I think you need, just need to do physical therapy. And, you know, it could just be it's hitting a, a nerve or something like that. So we were pretty persistent. We had to be. You had to push hard to get answers and to get what he needed. That is right. Which is really a shame. Which is kind of sad, you know, that you have to be your own advocate. And this Mm -hmm. is something that we've learned, you know, that in the medical field, the doctors don't really know what's wrong with you. You have to be your best advocate and you have to push. If you know that there's something off and... You know, you really have to pursue and say, no, you need to do this test. And that's exactly what we did. You was know? Joe from even the get go? Did he kind of have that gut feeling that something was yes. more wrong than what they were telling him? Yes. Okay. So had, it wasn't just you. He knew it, too. He knew that there was something, but but not in our wildest dreams, Carly, did we ever think it was what it was, you know? So Because it's something that happens to other people. It's it you happens to other people. That. You don't you don't assume that your loved one is gonna go through that. You don't, you know, think that Never. it's gonna be you having to deal with all of this. So it was it was really um just disheartening, you know, that we had to really push for the doctors to do the test that we needed so we finally told the doctor and you know mind you this is like so many times that we would call the office call the office and then the assistant to the doctor would call the doctor would never call us right you can't was, get a hold of him you can't talk get a to hold him. of him and he's just you make like, an appointment it's probably two three weeks out to go exactly see him. so it delayed everything right and and so we kept on talking to the assistant and the assistant kept going back and forth back and forth and we're just like Can we just talk to the doctor we need the mri done so finally we went into his office when he had fin- finally scheduled an appointment and we said, you're doing an MRI. Like, this is not something that, you know, th- there's something else going on. And, um, you know, we were thinking the sciatica issue, you know. Which makes sense. I mean, I, I've a, dealt with sciatica pain during my life. It radiates down your leg. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So we're like, let's figure this out and get him the medication that he needs for the pain and then move forward, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, 
that's basically what we did. And we got the MRI done at like four o'clock on a Friday. By five o'clock, we had a phone call from the doctor, the orthopedic doctor. And he basically called and, <clears throat> and just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, you know, that it took us so long to figure all of this out, you know, but we got the imaging and I have to refer you to an oncologist. And, you know, when he said those things, you know, right now I'm more emotional about it than I was then. Right then and there, probably in shock. Both my husband and I, we were just like, orthope, like an oncologist. Like, why would we need that? You know, like Uh we were just like, okay, you know, there's there's something. He's like, well, it could be we see, you know, we see something in the imaging that's a little bit dark, but we're not sure. It could be a tumor. It could be an infection. It could be this. It could be that. They're probably not even allowed to say, even if they suspect. Correct. And he from- never said the word cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we went and um, he booked us an appointment for the next day for with the oncologist. And when we went into the oncologist's office and we sat down and... Um, you know, we were asking him all these questions and he was so vague, like he would not tell us anything. And he's like, we need to do more tests really? and we need to do this. We need to do that. And, um, you know, going into that office, did you even process he has cancer? What what was going through your mind or what? Had, because they hadn't really <clears throat> said that word or said to what degree? What were you thinking? I thought he didn't. I thought okay. he didn't, and so did he. We both were kind of in denial. We yeah. both didn't think that he had what they thought he had. We thought it was, um, you know, we were hoping, I guess, for the best case scenario that it was an infection and that, sure. you know, all of those things. And, um, but, but it was one of those situations where, you know, you start to really feel uneasy about the situation because there is this other nurse that was basically there and she was what they call a nurse navigator mm-hmm. you know and from the nurse navigator like they're able to walk you through the whole process of what is going to happen you know and so she was there and they introduced her and deep down inside I was like why do we need a nurse navigator for mm-hmm. this you know so <clears throat> then we got the additional images. Um, it was kind of a, a, a long story with the oncologists and the doctors and trying to get the information, and it was moving a little too slow. So one um, weekend, we went to um, – he was struggling with a lot of pain. We went and called the the nurse navigator mm-hmm. and – she never called us back so we're like what in the world's going on so we finally we called the main number and got a nurse that called the on-call oncologist and he was out of St. Al's over in um, Boise here and he answered back and I said you know this is a situation we don't really know what's going on yet and you know He's in major, major pain. The doctor did not give him any medication. 
to do, just you know, to deal with it the over them. He just sent them uh, out the door and and he was supposed to call us back with the results. He hasn't called us back. How much time like, had lapsed? Just, uh, let's see, a week. Okay, but still. A week. And, um, and we had called during the week to basically say, you know, this is... This, he's in pain. Like we're gonna run out of medication of what you've given us if you don't call us back before the weekend. So this was the weekend. So this is where things really just started to move. And um, the doctor, the on call um, oncologist, called us in and um, basically said, "I can give you a prescription for the pain, but I'm looking at his files. I'm looking at his images. You need to come in and be admitted right now." So when he said that, he was talking to me because Joe was just not feeling that great. And he was on the couch. And I remember being in my dining room table, just sitting there. And he's like, did the doctor call you? And did the doctor tell you what's going on? You know? And I was like, well, I know that, um, you know, we did these images. I know that there's talk about it being cancer. And I said, what can you tell me? He said, your husband does have cancer. Over the phone. And I'm just speechless, you know, bawling on the phone. Mm. And um, just hearing that word. Just hearing it. It's like you have hope until you hear that word. Until you hear it. And basically it was one of those situations where it was so fast. And he's like, he goes, I know that you're trying to process this information, but I need you to know how serious it is because you need to talk him into coming in and being admitted. He goes, it's moving too slow. The process is moving too slow. You need to do a lot more tests a lot faster. He goes, if I have him admitted, I can get them all done. So I hung up the phone and basically and I was the one him. that had to tell him, you know, and, um, this is what's happening. And thankfully, his parents were here visiting us because they knew that this was, you know, an issue. Mm. And um, so we were we all just got in the car, took them. And it was a complete whirlwind. We spent the whole, I think, two weeks. I think it was two weeks in um, the hospital doing test after test after test. You feel like you're in a tornado, like. Complete, this is not real life. Complete tornado. And, um, you <sighs> know, there's there's um, the time when the doctor comes in and because we still didn't know. Right. We didn't know what kind of cancer it was. Yeah, you had cancer. But they didn't tell you to what degree, anything like that. Nothing, nothing to that sort, because now they in hindsight, they knew that it was advanced because it was already down to his hip. So once it gets outside of an organ, it's either stage two, stage three, or stage four. So um, it was one of those situations where we're like, okay, so the, they were trying to find the origin of where it was at. And that's what all those tests were. Mm-hmm. You know, In the meantime, they're trying to manage his pain because he's in extreme pain. <clears throat> and... So the pain meds bring in a whole other slew of issues that he's dealing with. Absolutely. I've been on heavy pain meds before. And I remember I went through back surgery and I was on heavy pain meds. And I sometimes I'd think like, oh, 
the, the pain is is better than all the side effects I'm feeling from. I mean, the nausea from some of that stuff. I don't know if he dealt oh, with nausea, oh, but he dealt with all horrible. that. He dealt with the nausea. He dealt with being completely disoriented. Yes. He, he felt uh, just like hallucinations. I mean, just the works. He was feeling so horrible and he was so not coherent. Like it was so bad. Different kind were, of nightmare than the pain. Oh, but, totally. It was a whole different issue that we were dealing with on top of everything else that we were trying to just grasp and understand you know and of course I'm online reading every single article and at the same time you know all of this is happening you know from start to where we're at now and I'm trying to work I'm trying to maneuver it all and I'm telling you I wouldn't have been able to get through it without some of the coworkers that we have here Mm -hmm. I mean you know, specifically Kim was just amazing and just helped me through and walked me through the whole process and was just my little cheerleader. And That's so wonderful because I would watch you walk into work and think, <clears throat> how is she here? How is she functioning? How does she have a smile on her face? How do you get up and get dressed and do all those ordinary day things when the rest of your life has been completely disrupted. Yeah. And that's exactly how I was feeling. It's like, you know, I would go in from driving back from the hospital to um, my house to get stuff for him and, and, and me. And cause I stayed with him every time he would stay in the hospital, I would just stay there. And um, I remember just being in the car, just bawling you know just screaming out to the lord and saying why you know why us you know so it was extremely difficult and then the big blow came you know to top things off they came and they found the tumor that had originated in the lungs and for somebody who was not a smoker you know he was a social smoker when he was in college. But never like a big addiction for oh years. Oh my gosh, Nothing no. Like that. And had, I mean, he hasn't smoked since college, you mm-hmm. know, and it was just for like a little period of time. And um, to have, you know, tumors in, two tumors, he had two tumors in his lungs. Um, he had seven small tumors in his brain. He oh has... Gosh tumors in his spine, his pelvis, and both of his hips. So we're dealing with stage four, you know, and that's when it kind of hits you, you know, and you start to read just all the different articles and everything. And well, everything is so grim. You yeah, know? The internet can be great and it can be horrible when you have a diagnosis. That's right. That's right. Because there's a lot of scary stuff out there. There is. So... You know, it was um, it was one of those things I would say, you know, inside it was really difficult to deal with. And, you know, you have the exterior everyday face that you put on and you have mm-hmm. the one that you're dying inside kind of. You got to put it on for work and you got to put it on for him. Exactly. Because you strong can't him. let him, you know, go down the rabbit hole of not giving up, you know. Right. And so I'm just like, don't worry, you know, there's tons of medicine. There's all these things that we can do and and all of this. And he's he's very um, practical. He's very logical. 
He's and realistic. He about is things. realistic. And for him, it's been it's I think that's been one of the biggest issues that um we've had to deal with is the fact that he is so realistic all the time and I am you know um more I'm more of a dreamer. You know, I'm more of You're the optimistic. optimistic and and just Are you naturally optimistic or you had to find that within you? I'm naturally optimistic. Okay. You know, I could see the I could be all horrible and I could yeah. see the little bright light, you Which know, I and think that's is the one be- I focus on, thing. you know. So so there's that. But um so I was I think that's that was difficult is trying to balance just the emotions that you're dealing with and um you know, because at the same time, there were times in um, the evening when he was really, really just in a horrible, dark place. And I would be that optimistic person that I am. I'm trying to lift him up and all of this. And that's not what he needed. You know, he needed yeah. me to cry and he needed me to just lay it all out there. And it was hard for me to do because... Because naturally you go to that place of natu- being the was, optimistic cheerleader. And you try to protect yourself, too. I mean, yes. to be honest, Carly, you know, my yeah. optimism is sort of a little protection mechanism that I have within me where it doesn't allow me to go down those dark paths. So it makes perfect sense, yes. So it was... But at the same time, that's what he needed from me, you know? So I had mm-hmm. to find that within... To, to just be able to cry and and be vulnerable about the situation with him and so I've we've learned we've learned a lot you know through this and um, the support that we've gotten from all you know from when we were in little kids like in in you know mm-hmm. junior high all the way up to our whole, you know, professional lives and everything, just all the people that, you know, have touched our lives are coming back and oh. just, you know, being there for us and being that encouragement. That's and being, so good to hear. so huge. That's wonderful because I feel like situations like this can go either way where even when I reached out to you, I said, I feel so awful mm-hmm. because I haven't gone up to you at work and given you a hug and uh, uh, and said I'm so sorry I hadn't done anything and I was so ashamed of that and it was because I didn't know what to say yeah and um, I think a lot of people do feel that way like oh even if I bring it up is it going to conjure up all this emotion for her when she's in a good right. place in this moment right. maybe she doesn't want to talk about it right now yeah. I don't know what to do I've never been through that journey I can't imagine what it feels like and even though you have so many times you've been on my mind and in my prayers, I didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And yet you did, you did, you know, it's like, you know, you you were Facebook uh, friends and, you know, you were also a member of the group that they created for us uh, through friends Mm -hmm. and the, just the, the comments and the sweet, you know, uh, wishes and everything that you've said online, well, that's meant s- a lot, you know, and yes, you know, it's one of those things that I can understand that it's hard. It's hard to know because I've been there. I've mm-hmm. been you've been on the other side on the other side. So yeah. it's like you don't know what to say. You don't know just what you just said. Exactly. Just 
you know, encompasses how people feel. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, you know, it's okay because there's uh, different ways that you can be there for somebody, you know, sure. like you have. And social media is so great in it that is. way. I remember when I went through my back surgery, similar mm-hmm. thing. People just would reach out to me and wish me well online. And I was so taken back by, it's like, I had no idea that this many people cared about me. And that exactly. really can carry you a long way and just those those words of encouragement knowing that you've got that support is great it does it is and and the support i can say has been amazing you know so good to hear my work and through church or our church and and through just online you know Mm -hmm. social media it's just been amazing and um the prayers that we've constantly been receiving and everything has been just wonderful so that's great what are some other ways that this has rocked your world? I mean, I would imagine financially on top of all of this, yeah. you get that dumped on you. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely been, you know, the financial burden was definitely an issue. Um, we had to sell our home, you know, the the dream home that we loved. Um, we sold it over Memorial Weekend, and that was an emotional an emotional thing, you know, because you're dealing your dream with... Home. Well, and he's and he's dealing with, you know, this illness. We're dealing with this illness. And um, at the same time, he can't be in his environment that he's so used to and and has been accustomed to, you know. So that's going to bring in a whole slew of other things. And that's our next step. You know, our next step is, um, you know, we are leaving Boise and we're going to Sandpoint, Idaho, where his mom and dad are and they've been just gracious enough to be able to give us um you know their cottage that they have on their property so you can be right there but still have your own space so we can be there we can have our own space and um most importantly you know have that support that constant family support and people have been amazingly supportive i mean we have friends coming from california we have family coming from Portland and California and, you know, Sandpoint uh, to visit us. And they've been here and our church has really stepped up and been here to take care of him while I'm working and all of this to uh, allow me to work because he wasn't functioning. You know, he he was his pain levels were so high. Um, the medication was making him completely not able to um be on his own you know somebody had to constantly be watching him and making sure he was okay and he didn't fall he would fall a lot <sighs> because he was just out of balance sure and, um you know so there was a lot of different things um that we had to be concerned about that he could not be by himself mm-hmm. so um that was really just amazing to have all the people come and, and support us in that way so that i could you know continue, continue to, to work, work. And work was amazing with giving me the time that I needed, you know, with the Family Leave Act um, Mm -hmm. was that also played a part in being able to maneuver both, you know, work and keeping our finances going because it was an issue, you know. So, um, so, yeah, so I think that that's always difficult, you know, when you're dealing with um, somebody who's sick and 
there's more, there's all the emotions that come with it, but then there's all this collateral damage that it also happens that you have to deal with that you have to deal with, you know, so we are, you know, dealing with it. We're taking it on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know, you know, I've talked to a few people who have been through, um, you know, family members being sick and all of this. And, um, I think the biggest thing that they tell tell me, they always tell me this, and I always feel like I am taking care of myself. But they always say, make sure you take care of yourself because you are the caregiver. So and true. And if you're not 100%, then there's no way you're going to be able to help him when mm-hmm. he's not 100%, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's been um, something that, you know, I'm I'm trying to do, but at the same time, I feel just... Well, it's got to be hard. I mean, when you have something this life changing happen, probably even getting sleep like, you know, you should be getting the sleep you need, but your brain is filled with so much worry and thoughts and you have so much on your plate emotionally. And like you said, with all of the I've got to show up to work and I've got to deal with finances and all those normal things. Right. That that's so much easier said than done. Absolutely. And I'm not, you know, we weren't sleeping, you know, there was a period within, it was probably like two months where he just did not sleep at nighttime. And I, like he would try to sleep, but he was, because he was in so much pain, he would sleep at the edge of the bed sitting up. (sighs) And so he would fall. And so every night I would be like, hun, you have to lay down. You have to like all throughout the night, you know, just constantly trying to make sure that he was okay. He needed something, you know, get his medications on time and all this other stuff. So it was a lot of disruption with sleep for both of us, you know, and, um, and thankfully he was able to, you know, stay home and get the rest that he needed, although he wasn't. And then, I had to get up and come here, you know, mm-hmm. so that was really hard. I was a little bit of a zombie. I would think so. <laughs> yes. So what does Joe's fight look like now? What are you doing? So what we're doing now is um, after it took um, almost four months, three months, no, four months to get him on the medication to actually even treat the cancer. So it took us that long. You're kidding me. The first biopsy failed. Uh, <sighs> they didn't take enough tissue. So they had sent it out. It took three weeks for us to get the report back that they didn't get enough tissue. So they didn't want to start anything because nowadays what they do, which is really amazing, is um, they do genetic testing on everything. And so they're able to really create a therapy, um, whether it's chemo, radiation, or immunotherapy, to treat the exact cancer that he has based on the genetics of That's it That's pretty all. cool. So it's really, it's really come a long way. So they were hesitant to do what they normally do. What they used to do back in the day was chemo and radiation. Those were the only options that a patient had. And that's what you still hear about today. And that's what you still hear about it. So the awesome thing is what what took so long, and then we had to do the other um, uh, biopsy, which was more successful. They took like seven samples because they didn't want to have the same issue. Um, But they were able to find uh, what they call a marker. and, And 
the markers are, there's six different markers that you can have to mm-hmm. be eligible for immunotherapy. And the immunotherapy is um, something that is a little bit, they've had better results um, with the extending the life of a patient when they're using, you know, either chemo and um, immunotherapy or radiation or a combination of them. So thankfully for him, he had one of the markers. So it was one of those things that we were praying, like you have no idea, please, please, please let him have one of those markers, you know, and um, he he did, did, which was awesome. So he is taking one um, pill a day of Tegriso, and that is the treatment that he has to do. So as long as it's working in the three-month mark, we'll know. So we're one month in on the medication. We've seen a huge change and upswing. And how he's feeling. And, and how he's feeling. So, you know, all so just... Good. And they've also uh, finally regulated his pain levels. So... You know, they did radiation on his hip uh, to help with the pain a little bit. But now I think he needs it on his other hip because his, um, it's kind of starting to come back a little bit more. But the nice thing is that we are able to um, just do one pill a day. And in three months, in two more months, um, he'll do another scan to see if the medication's working. But there are ways for us to know right now if it is, which is, um, you know, he's his pain levels are lower. He has um, he's now, you know, able to do things on his own, you know, within Mm -hmm. the last two weeks, two to three weeks. He's been himself again. You know, he's, you know, happier. He's more optimistic, which is great because I can't even imagine mentally what this does to someone, you know? Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, cancer is, it's a big deal, you know? And it's amazing how many uh, people struggle with cancer. When you're, when you're dealing with it yourself, you get so many people coming to you. Opens your eyes to what a huge And you see it is a huge deal, you know? And the importance of, catching it early, the importance of, you know, knowing your options as to what's out there for you, you know, support groups that they have, you know, and having that support of, um, you know, friends and family to be there for you is so important. And I don't think we would have been able to get through any of this without all of those components. What would you say, just since you brought up people supporting you once again, mm. what can people do You know what, on the outside? Carly, what are they doing to support you? What helps? You know, I, I was listening to a, a video of a newscaster that her husband was going through this. And... Um, she was saying, you know, the same thing, you know, that there was a lot of people wanting to support and wanting to help and like they didn't know what to do. Well, they were posting things on Facebook and posting things on their blog of whatever it is that they have. And that alone, it's such a small thing, but to see that there's so many people praying for you, to see that there's so many people thinking and and acknowledging that you're going through something mm-hmm. and that their heartfelt comments and 
you know, the the cards that people send in the mail and, you know, some monetary even, you know, contributions that people have done. It's been, it means the world, you know, a hug, just a smile, a I'm so sorry. I mean, there's nothing you can really do, you know, although mm-hmm. there's some practical things, you know, our church really stepped up and did meals for us and um, did, you know, morning care for some of the guys uh, would come in. And I mean, at 6 a.m., they would be at our house, you know, and I'd be able to go get ready, go to work. And then, um, you know, they'd stay until, you know, we needed them to. And I mean, it's it's little things like that 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 really do make a difference. And you're making me realize like all those things do make a difference to people that feel so helpless on the outside it leave that comment or give that hug or do those little things because i think whenever you're going through something really tough like this it's easy in a sense to just feel alone the world is going on around me and Mm -hmm. i've got this big bomb that has dropped so knowing that you're not alone and that people are praying for you and love you can can really lift your spirits it's huge and it's also very humbling you know it's one of those things that you're just like wow you know there's so many people that care you know Mm -hmm. and um and yeah you do feel like you're alone but because of all those um things that people do that they think are so small those things are the world you know to both my husband and i so thank you for that you know, yeah. thank you for those beautiful comments that you left and, and you know, the smiles and, you know, their smiles and they're knowing smiles, mm-hmm. you know, they're there. It's a smile that has something behind it that says, I know what you're going through, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. well, Becky, I, I'm so glad that you came into my life just even for a brief moment. You're the type of person honestly like you walk into a room and it just lights up the room type of person and um just know that there are so many people that will continue to pray for you guys and think of you and thank you so much for being willing to share your story amidst everything that you're going through i know it will help other people that are going through similar struggles i hope so i hope so and that's 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 our our you know desire is that you know you always God always uses things, you know, for 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 his good and his purpose. And yes. whatever we're going through, if it helps anybody, it's worth it, you know, and we know that God will get us through whatever it is that we know we need to get through. So we were the best and we'll keep praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.